It is so good to be with you here this morning. As uh, Dana said, my husband and I uh, join you from Sedalia this morning from First United Methodist Church, and it is our joy to be with you here today. Um, at First Church, I serve on staff there as uh, giving leadership to a prayer ministry there at First Church, and also I serve as the president and administrator of an orphan care project in northern Haiti called Strong Tower Orphanage. And so today and together, we are going to tackle something that may be a little bit new and different. You see, God is downloading some big ideas into his church here in the West around the ways we care for one another through missions, both locally and internationally. And what we're learning and what I'm learning is that good intentions are not enough. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless your name. We'd love to be in your presence and to be in your word. So, Lord God, may your word take root in our hearts and in our minds. And I thank you that your word never returns empty, but always nourishes and grows and bears much fruit. Lord, we give you honor and glory and praise. We thank you for your mighty presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All throughout scripture, we come to know that God's heart for the poor is strong and his call upon the church to care for them is unmistakable. I'd like to look again very quickly at that Isaiah verse we were just in, and I'd like you to hear just a small portion of it in the NIV, if that is okay with you. So I'm back in Isaiah 58, and I'm going to start kind of in the middle of verse 9 and go to verse 10. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your noonday will be, and your night will become like the noonday. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry. I've been thinking about that verse for a while and just kind of rolling it around in my head, trying to figure out what it all might mean. I think it absolutely means that we're called to feed the poor. And back in verse 7, it says to share your food with the hungry. Absolutely, we're to feed the hungry. And I can't help wondering if it might just mean something more. It just seems to me that it might also mean kind of an, an outpouring of ourselves into the lives of those that God is calling us to care for, if that makes any sense to you. A real spending of ourselves on behalf of of the hungry. So let's keep looking. I'm going to turn quickly to First um, John 3.16, if you'd like to turn there with me. Oh, and I've got it on a slide if it's not too small. Okay. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, How can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So the call to care for the poor is unmistakable. Yesterday when I connected with your pastor, um, he was so great to share with me all of the missions things that are going on here at First Church in Warsaw. And, And it was just wonderful to hear some of the things that you all are involved in. Um, I've heard about the Warm House. Is that, is that correct? That's a food pantry here in Warsaw. 
about the Warm House, um, heard about um, Voice of the Martyrs Ministry, which is so dear to my heart, and Imagine No Malaria, and oh, Community Soup uh, Kitchen that just started last week, which is so neat, and um, oh, the Mozambique Initiative, too, were just some of the things that he shared with me that First Church Warsaw is about, and it's just, it's just wonderful and marvelous. And so you already know that the question isn't if we should care for the poor, but really the question is how do we care for them to the glory of God and in his name? This book was released a few years ago. It's called When Helping Hurts, and it is revolutionizing the how in Christian missions. Because what the North American church is finding out is that sometimes we end up hurting the very people that we're trying to help. We're just going to be scratching the surface of this today, and we're going to begin with a definition of poverty. What is poverty? And we're beginning with this definition because it is the answer to this question that will help determine our response, okay? What is So in the 1990s, the World Bank asked this very same question to 60,000 people around the world that had largely impoverished populations in their countries. And I'm going to share some of their responses with you this morning. This one is from a person in Moldova in Eastern Europe. For For a poor person, everything is terrible. Illness, humiliation, shame. We are cripples. We are afraid of everything. We depend on everyone. No one needs us. We are like garbage that everyone wants to get rid of. This one is from Guinea-Bissau in Africa. When I don't have any food to bring my family, I borrow, mainly from neighbors and friends. I feel ashamed standing before my children when I have nothing to help feed the family. I'm not well when I'm unemployed. It's terrible. This is from Uganda. When one is poor, she has no say in public. She feels inferior. She has no food, so there is famine in her house. No clothing, no progress in her family. This one is from Senegal. Your hunger is never satisfied. Your thirst is never quenched. You can never sleep until you are no longer tired. And this one is from Vietnam. If you are hungry, you will always be hungry. If you are poor, you will always be poor. It's fascinating, isn't it? While the poor include a lack of material resources in their definition of poverty, They describe their condition in much more social and psychological terms. In the West, we tend to define uh, poverty as just a lack of material resources. And we forget sometimes that it includes things like hopelessness and despair and a a loss of self-esteem and fear. I want to take this one step further this morning. I received an email recently from uh, a volunteer who she faithfully volunteers with Strong Tower. And she emailed me about this very issue of poverty. I want to share with you just a little bit of what she says. 
We are all poor, just in different ways. My eyes are open more and more to just how much our Haitian family is not poor in their relationship with God, in their reliance on him. Every day they may be poor in our eyes with so little material things and with so little food, and yet they have joy. They rely on God. They are not poor in their relationship with God. They are rich. I am poor, she says in all capital letters. I am poor in my reliance on God when I get back to the busyness of this life here in the States. We are all poor, just in different ways. So as we go to care for the poor here in Warsaw or in St. Louis or in Caracol, Haiti, wherever God may be calling you, and we go with our blueprints and our plans and our big to-do lists and agendas, and the focus of the mission perhaps is maybe it's building a building or there's a painting project or even a distribution of clothes or something like that, I can't help but wonder if we might be missing the mark. In the book Travesty in Haiti, the author Timothy Schwartz is an anthropologist who lived in Haiti for 10 years. And he describes this uh, particular scenario that he saw happening over and over again down in Haiti. So here it is. He said uh, a large shipment of donated rice would arrive in port. Inevitably, at the same time, when the local rice harvest was due to come in. The donated rice is distributed for free in the community and in the area, thus crashing the market for the local rice farmer who is just trying to make a living. Now, were there good intentions behind that donation? Yes, absolutely, I believe that there were. But the authors of our book and what Christian leaders are embracing all around the world is that if we continue to respond to needs in a relief kind of effort instead of through rehabilitation and development, which is what is really needed, then that is where sometimes we can hurt the very people that we're trying to help. I travel to Haiti often, and I'm just going to be transparent with you this morning. I'm somebody who loves blueprints and agendas and plans, and great big to-do lists. I love them. When I was there this past spring, I came home with a deep knowing, just more than ever, that just as God is relational in who he is, in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, And just as God is all about relationship with you and with me and how that pours out into our relationship with others and even into the relationship we have with ourselves and how we see ourselves in Christ. Just as God is all about relationship, so is missions. Mission work is about relationships. It's about relationships over projects. And, and stuff that we take down to maybe give away and those kind of things. Missions is about relationships. The word tells us that each person on this planet bears the image of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image. 
So we can know that persons living in poverty too are image bearers of the living God. And so with that, we also know that he has gifted them beautifully with incredible gifts and abilities and creativities and ingenuities. He has. They're God-given assets. And this is the place that we get to plug in. This is the best place for us to plug in into missions. With the local leaders and residents of the impoverished communities that we enter into, this is the place we come in to listen and to encourage and to invest both personally and financially. This is the place that we get to spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry. It's through the local people there and their God-given assets. They are the God-given assets in that community. And if we're working with the local church or local Christian uh, agency, then they are the primary source of light in that community. You know, we just get to come in alongside the good work that God is already doing there. We can know, too, that as we enter into impoverished communities, that yes, God goes with us, but that he is already there. Colossians 1 says that Jesus is holding all things together and reconciling all things to himself. Even if we cannot see it with our eyes, he is at work. He is at work. The people of the community, of the local community, are the God-given assets of that community. And I'm just going to tell you something. As we care for them in their poverties, they minister to us in ours. I need Haiti a lot more than Haiti needs me. I need Haiti a lot more than Haiti needs me. Strong Tower Orphanage partners with a local church in Caracol, Haiti, uh, called the Church of the Redeemer to care for orphans there in their community. And there are times, specific times, that our pastor will ask for teams to come. Um, Teams will come to help build a foundation uh, for a building. The Haitians are really great at building the walls up, and but the pastor just asks us to come with the foundation part. We'll come, too, to help with electrical and plumbing things. I say we. I don't help with any of those kind of things. <laughs> um, but to help with electrical and plumbing. And we do go once a year, too, to do a vacation Bible school for 450 children. And we do it together with the local church there in Caracol. That is a real blast to do. And so we do it with the local church, and when we are doing the building projects and things like that, we hire local labor, just trying to invest in that community. So I say all these things, and I mean, has Strong Tower always done it right? No. There's a huge learning curve, and we still don't get it right. Our pastor is full of grace for us, though. I tell him all the time, he is full of grace for us, because we're committed to caring for orphan and vulnerable children there. In the name of Jesus. So I'd like to close this morning with a picture of the girls that live at Strong Tower. They are the sweetest things going, I'm just going to tell you. I'll just give you a little bit of context. Strong Tower Orphanage is located like, so Pastor Peo has his church, and then there's a school in his compound. And then directly behind that compound is the Strong Tower property. And so there's a duplex facility on that, on that property. 
It's a, it's a family-style model of care. So these 10 girls live on one side of the duplex. And if you count, there's actually 11 in the picture because our pastor's youngest daughter is in that picture. She's over there all the time playing. And, uh, and really within the next few weeks, that other side of the orphan home will open as more orphan girls come into care. So we, we really invite and even covet your prayers for that, for that process and for those girls. So I wanted to share with you um, the story of this art project that we did with the girls. Um, We did this last spring, too. So we went down there, and we uh, took these strips of of white paper, long, narrow strips of white paper down there with us, and we took some watercolors. And so, gosh, the girls loved painting them. You know, they just had a blast doing that and uh, everything. And so we left some of them there, but then we brought some home, too. We did the same thing here uh, in Sedalia with some of the kids there. And we did it to create a weaving. And so this is the teaching that we shared with um, the kids in Haiti and with the kids here in Sedalia. And I'm going to show you a picture of that weaving, I think, if I can get it up there. There it is. So the reason that we did the weaving is this. It just shows that our lives touch one another and that they even connect and intertwine as we love and care and pray for one another, as we do life with one another and encourage and speak esteem and life into each other's lives. I hope you can see that weaving and you you can see the strength in that in the strength of relationships. I mean, how crazy and beautiful is it to see children in Haiti loving and praying for children in Missouri and children in Missouri loving and praying for children in Haiti. And so there's strength in that. And and I really hope that you can see the beauty in it. One of the weavings went back down to Strong Tower. The other one sold at an auction. I got outbid. I didn't get it at the auction. <laughs> but it shows, I think it's a perfect picture of the beauty of missions and how we're called to spend ourselves on behalf of one another. So in, in that spirit, I think, is, is when your pastor and I were connecting yesterday, he gave his blessing around this invitation to Warsaw, uh, to the church, First Church Warsaw, uh, the timing is just kind of uncanny. February 1st, Strong Tower is beginning a shoe drive. And, and we are collecting shoes of all kinds and all sizes. So I'm talking ballet slippers, tennis shoes, flip-flops, cowboy boots, you know, all of it. All of it will take kids' shoes, adult shoes, high heels, all of it. And then the company that we're working with, what they do with the shoes is they, um, they will collect them, and then they take them down to places like Haiti. Seventy percent of what they collect goes to Haiti, and they go to other developing nations as well. And they do not distribute them for free. What they do is they give them to um, persons who are selling shoes to make a living. They're shoe vendors along the streets, or they have little shops. So we'll actually be collecting product for these pe- persons to sell to help make a living. The shoes we collect will actually help put food on people's tables 
in Haiti and other developing nations. And so um, your pastor was all over it and asked me to invite you to be a part of it. There are some flyers back on the table as, as well as some Strong Tower information too. So you're welcome to, to pick that up. I think there's a little interest in the first service, so you guys might get together on that. But um, there's a lot of other United Methodist churches involved here in Missouri, so I think it's just going to be a ton of fun to collect those. And we went through our closets at home, and it was just kind of humbling for me. Because I think we live pretty simply, you know, but still we cleaned out our closets and, and we had a lot. So, so anyway, and that the invitation to be involved with Strong Tower 2 is open to the body of Christ and in, in missions and in any way that God's calling you to be involved. And the invitation really does not come from me, but it comes from the one who is the father to the fatherless and the defender of the weak and the one who delights in setting the lonely into families. We'll praise his name forever. Amen.